0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. I'm here with Autumn and our guest for the day, Alejandra Duenas, who is a spiritual life coach. Hi, Alejandra. We are super excited to have you on. We actually were connected with Alejandra through a previous guest, Allison Wetteg, who we also all love and adore. Um, and so we are super excited for this conversation. It should be a great one, all about spirituality, mental health, and you know, how to get involved with your spiritual side. So welcome Alejandra. We're so excited to have you on.
1: Yay. I am so excited to be here. We've already chatted so much that I'm like excited to dive into this episode already.
0: <laughs> yes, we, um, we all have great energy together. I'm very, very excited <laughs> for this conversation. We were just talking astrology signs. So Alejandra's a Capricorn. I love my Capricorns all my Capricorn friends that listen, love you guys. So we're excited for this. Um, If you want to kick us off Alejandra and just kind of jump into how you got here, like what brought you into spiritual life coaching and into meeting Allison, which then brought you to this podcast. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's dive in. So yes, my name is Alejandra Duenas. I have been in the coaching industry for almost four years now, so three and a half years. And I help women in the area of uh, helping them embody their fullest expression, their most authentic self, or what most people know as like their highest self. Um, Also in the area of helping them show up consistently towards their goals and ultimately taking back control of their life which comes from taking back control of their mental health. Um, and in a way, this is something that I also said in Allison's podcast, like the key to actually having more control of your life is learning how to let go of control and learning how to surrender. So it's like a little play on words there. Uh, but those are the main three areas that I support women in. And um, what's gotten me here, I, I don't know how how quickly we're going to go right into the, to the details, but um, what's gotten me here was my story so when I it was I believe like right after high school starting college mainly around like 18 18 from 18 years old to 20 I dealt with a lot of depression and I had a lot of suicidal thoughts and I went down just like a really dark path where I was just a full-on like victim of my life I had a lot of resentment I Carried a lot of anger and frustration. Um, And it's interesting because no one would have known that from the outside, because from the outside, I was just always this like positive, like happy person that gave everyone great advice, but more so internally, I was just dealing with a lot. And it was actually through a spiritual life coach eight years ago. Um, so I'm 28 years old. So eight years ago when I had I had a spiritual life coach, she completely changed my life. And at the time, like nowadays, coaches are so known and there's like a coach for like almost everything. But eight years ago, like a life coach was just not very well known. Like I had so many people that, that would ask me, like, what is that? So like, what is she helping you with? Um, and so when I first took on working with a life coach, I did I had no idea what I was what was going to happen, but I knew that she was going to support me through my depression, and she really turned my life around and allowed me to just see things with a different perspective. Um, and I think that was like the first like anchor point. That started my journey towards me then becoming a spiritual life coach eight years later. It's not necessarily that after working with her, I was like, oh, I want to be a spiritual life coach because I think I was still focused on working on me and really getting to my best healthy self in all areas. Um, But then along the lines, like I would say four or five years ago is when like the thought of like, well, what if I did help others in a similar way and supported them in their mental health? Um, So that's that's kind of what what's gotten me to where I am now. I can dive into more details if you want. I don't know what you guys want to know, but um, that's essentially what got me to where I'm at now, just supporting over 100 women now from around the world and you know, in their 20s, in their 30s. I've coached women in their 60s as well, um, because we all just go through so many things in our life. And I am a full advocate. I know it's probably a little biased, but I am a full advocate and believer that everyone needs a coach or a therapist. Everyone needs support because we don't have to do it alone. So why should we?
2: I have two quick follow-up questions. One, when you were 20, is there a reason that you opted for a life coach and not a therapist? I, and then two, I would love if you could also like specify what does a spiritual life coach mean? What is that on top of just a regular life coach exactly? But just two quick yeah. follow-ups.
1: Yes, totally. Okay. So First of all, the life coach that I had was not, uh, like, I didn't seek her out. My family knew, obviously, what I was going through, Um, and so I first actually worked with a therapist. My mom got a therapist, and I got to work with her, and... I personally did not enjoy it. I think it's important like when you're seeking support in your healing journey to just try out different um, support, like maybe just not stick with the first therapist that you're given and try out different therapists or try out a coach. For me, I felt like I was kind of like speaking to a parent because back then I was younger and I felt like in some ways I would lie to the therapist just so that I could be a good girl and like be doing the good thing. And it just didn't feel, um, I didn't feel like I could fully open up and be myself. And I felt like it was a little transactional in the sense where like, I just talked for an hour, but then there wasn't enough accountability for me to actually continue on doing the things that we would talk about in those one session. So I would feel like I would leave the therapy session feeling great, like empowered, amazing, But then afterwards, I would just go back to my same depressive thoughts and not really see progress. Um, And so that's that's kind of where coaching comes in and where it can be different, not always. Um, because coaching, at least in the coaching that I do, there's more accountability in the sense that I give my clients assignments and I am checking in with them to make sure that they're, um, moving forward with their assignments and their assignments are personalized to of course, what they're going through in their journey. Um, and so I, I'm i not saying anything bad about therapy. I didn't have the best experience, but I know therapy has changed so many people's lives. And I've also seen the side of women coming to me after like six, 10 years of therapy and saying that like after taking on a program like the programs that I offer, it really helped them like turn things around because there's more accountability with it. What makes it more spiritual in in my coaching, um, one of the biggest things, and and this can be seen as spiritual, but also not as spiritual, but one thing that I cover deeply is helping women heal trauma. And trauma is something that not a lot of uh, facilitators or practitioners are aware that it is something that gets stuck in the body and it's stored in the body. And so for example, with just talk therapy, you can know a lot about your trauma. You can have the knowledge of your trauma, but if you're not actually doing somatic work to release the trauma from your body, then you're not fully releasing the trauma because it's stored in the body. And so as a spiritual life coach, I, and a trauma-informed life coach, I really focus on supporting women with the body as well, connecting mind, body, and soul. Um, There are also many trauma-informed therapists that direct uh, sessions in that way too. Um, But with coaching, there's more of that accountability of like, okay, you are doing these exercises, these healing modalities, these assignments, and we're checking in every week or maybe every two days to make sure that you're moving forward with them. Um, The spirituality part um, is different depending on the programs that I have. So what I would call my my very first program, which is called the Three C's method, I would say that that program has this. The spiritual side of that program is really talking about energy, right? There are some people who don't believe in energy, who feel like energy is just not a thing, which I just can't understand how. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, energy work is so important. And so in my programs, I cover the importance of working on your energy, healing your different energy centers, um, creating a strong energetic field so that you're not easily swayed by other people's emotions or other people's feelings. Um, uh, when it comes to the law of attraction and manifestation, I know that that's something that's considered spiritual because of course it's also coming from a energy, uh, from knowledge of energy, right? Understanding that you attract what you are. And so to manifest what you want, you have to embody those feelings and become that version of yourself that would have those things. Um, So that's what would make it more spiritual. I would say like in one word, it's just the word energy. We really dive into energy and understanding the body. So it's not just having the knowledge and, or just speaking what's going on, what your problems are and what's going on in your life. It's also learning at a deeper level energetically what is going on in your body and then taking a consistent uh, action that you are held accountable for to make sure that you do see a results from, you know, your goal of getting from point A to point B. Yeah.
2: I love that you talk about, um, learning how to like release trauma from the body because I think that's what Georgia and I are both I don't know I feel like I and we talk about this are both like at that kind of point where like we know so much like what our problems are and why we have these problems like I can go back and tell you like all my generational trauma for like 10-15 years 20 decades I don't know it's like forever I know all of this stuff but I just feel that it just lives in me like it's not even current things that are bothering me but I don't know how to let them go and I say that almost every therapy session is like this anxiety just lives in me at this point and it's not even like me And I don't know how to let go of it and I don't know how to what's the word we say intellectualize ourself out of our therapy like we like so what are these somatic what's like an example of one somatic practice that you would give to a client to help let go like i it sounds so easy oh just let go i'm like how how do we let go of anything
1: <laughs> oh my gosh yes uh so okay, everything you said was perfect i love how you expressed everything but um yeah so when it comes to somatic practices it's anything that is connecting your mind to your body so eft tapping right now is one thing that i like Absolutely love, but that is a way to connect your body to your mind. And when you're doing it, it can also be a way to rewire your subconscious mind. Um, if you are saying affirmations or mantras, you are kind of like anchoring them into your subconscious mind even more. So that's a way of like, that's a, a somatic uh, example. Then there's also dancing, but not just like dancing to to dance, but actually feeling very connected to your body and not caring about how you look when you're dancing, but more so just feeling so connected to your body that you're just moving in the direction that like your soul is taking you and just being like fully owning that not being worried about what that looks like um another way to do that is shaking like literally just like jumping up and down and shaking your body shaking your hands um another way to do that would be uh honestly, even like exercise, like yoga is a great somatic practice. Um, Any like good run could be a good somatic practice. But with anything, it's all about the intention that you put behind it, right? You could go for a run and just focus on all your anxiety the whole time. Or you can go for a run and have like an intention of what you want to clear and then go on that run. So it, the intention is important. And then the somatic exercise is there to connect you back to your body. Another one that's coming through is like, even just like massaging your body. Like if you're moisturizing your body, massaging your body and really connecting to or checking in with the body parts that need more uh, love. So maybe they feel a little tense or a little tight and you need to give them more love and attention. And even saying like affirmations as you're moisturizing your skin, telling yourself you love yourself, all those things are just, it, I know some, the word somatic, Can seem like it's something that's like so extreme or like something that's so out there, but it really is just like just touching your body and connecting with your body. Um, That can give you can bring so much more security and safety. And then it's telling your your mind, right, that's in survival mode, that's holding on to this trauma. That like, hey, we're okay. We can come back to this present moment and things are okay because it allows you to get out of your mind and just come back to your body.
0: I saw this quote on TikTok the other day that like made me cry. And it was like, it was basically like, basically something along the lines, it was a poem, and it was along the lines of like, this person has memories of being a child and they like immediately go into fight or flight because their biggest fear is being a child again and like going through their childhood trauma. And I think it sounds like your story, like you, have a specific time of trauma or a specific time of your mental health issues. How have you worked now to heal like these past versions of yourself that aren't in that? Like, this is something I struggle with. Like, I'm no longer in this like unsafe situation or this like fear state that I used to be in at one point in time. Like, how do I, how can I heal that like older version of myself now that I am like? really safe and in a good situation and really happy and like very, I guess, like, love my life. I don't know. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, A lot of us are stuck living in the past, right? And so even though we're not consciously aware, uh, something that happened when we were four or five years old may still be triggering us right now in every way that we're being, but we're not consciously aware of it. The subconscious mind knows, but the conscious mind doesn't. Um, And so to answer that question, the best way to heal that wound, right? Because a lot of us are acting today from our past wounds. And so we're projecting, we're seeing our eyes have this lens of trauma in which we see the world. And so, in order to clear that or heal that, it so it's so important to work with the subconscious mind. Um, working with the subconscious mind um, is a journey. It doesn't. Um, it looks different for everyone, but it's about being able to clear out all the limiting beliefs, values, and behaviors that are stuck in the subconscious mind, and then in inserting more of the positive affirmations, the beliefs, the behaviors that you do want to have there. Um, and so that can be through different modalities. Like I have s- several programs that um, focus on rewiring the subconscious mind. Um, there's one Modality that I'm currently really into and learning so much about because I want to facilitate this, um, which is called RRT and it stands for Rapid Resolution Therapy. And it's essentially just you could literally have one session with a practitioner and clear anything that's in your subconscious mind, like a specific belief that you want to clear. You don't have to go through like a a full three month program or six month program. You could do it in one session um, by just having a conversation and, you know, speaking in a certain way way that is feeding or talking specifically to your subconscious mind and clearing any beliefs that um, are limiting or are not supporting you. And so when the body and the mind are still acting from the past, from some trauma that happened in the past, right? Right in order to clear that, it's really diving into the subconscious mind and clearing that out. And of course, with the help of somatic practices as well, because that also helps to rewire the mind. Um, If you think about it too, let's say you're having like a really tough day, a lot of anxiety, and the last thing you want to do is dance, right? Because you're like, why would I dance right now? Like I have so much anxiety or I'm very depressed. Um, But when you dance, it's almost like what a psychedelic experience can do to you is like you are – let's quote unquote, forcing yourself to dance, but you are telling your body that it is okay to dance. You're telling your body that like, hey, we're not in survival mode. Like by me dancing and by by me moving my body and like listening to this music and really feeling it, I'm telling my body that it's okay to be here. It's okay to celebrate this moment. It's okay for me to connect back to my body rather than previously where you would have just been stuck in this anxiety, in this bubble of anxiety. Anxiety, right, um, and in full survival mode, right? Your trauma responses are coming out, and so a lot of the times, our body doesn't, or a hundred percent of the time, our body doesn't know the difference of what's actually going on in our reality versus what. um and, and so, because it doesn't know what's going on in our reality, it will, if we feel any sense of fear, it will immediately almost like think that a lion is chasing us, and so it's okay to have this survival mode instinct in our bodies because we need them. If a lion were chasing us, we need to, you know, run faster, be able to see things more clearly so we can escape and survive. But what happens is that most people are constantly in survival mode and that's not healthy. That leads to long-term chronic issues and mental health issues because we're constantly in the survival mode. And so you rewire your subconscious mind by, being there for yourself and showing up consistently for yourself to remind yourself like, hey, I'm okay. Everything's okay. Let's come back to the body. Let's zoom out of our experience where we sometimes can get so stuck into our human experience rather than like zooming out and realizing, wait, like there's more to life right now. And it's not like a toxic positivity kind of thing. It's just acknowledging that like, you are so much more than your mind and than your body, than your problems. And when you can remind your subconscious mind that over and over again, that's how you start inserting those beliefs. That's how neuroplasticity works, which is when you are repeating and affirming over and over again beliefs that you actually believe in. Then you start inserting new beliefs programs into or neural circuits into your subconscious mind um and so it's just a matter of like creating new patterns and deleting old patterns that aren't serving you
0: i have one follow up to that i feel like a lot of like trauma talk and like fight or flight and those things are kind of buzzwords right now on social media as someone autumn and i both over intellectualize our problems We have a general understanding of what it means, but I was just talking to someone who was like, oh, I just realized I've been in fight or flight for a really long time. And like, I had no idea that all of these things were symptoms or fight or flight. So can you explain a little bit, like if you're someone who doesn't like, and this person is like very put together, very much like well-balanced She's like, I didn't realize like these little things were symptoms of fight or flight. So yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like, what does fight or flight look like? Like, how can you identify if you are like living in a trauma response, anxious state, if, if it's not like extreme symptoms?
1: Yeah. Um, this is why like, I fully am all about having a coach or a therapist or a mentor because a lot of the times we are so zoned into our life and our problems and what's going on in our life that we're not able to see our blind spots. And so when you're working with someone, they're able to see the things that you may not see. And so I love that you asked that question because I'm constantly like the way that I support my clients, they'll give me those moments where they're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even realize that was a trauma response or I didn't even know that I was doing that. And they probably would not have noticed unless unless someone, you know, pointed it out, um, which is why it could be so supportive to have a coach or a mentor or someone seeing those uh, patterns that you would just not notice if you weren't aware of them. Um, so with the flight response, flight. Okay, so with the flight response, um, I actually have an email newsletter Uh, And I always send out uh, weekly emails. One is called Surrender Saturdays and the other one's called Mindful Mondays. And I don't know if it was this past Mindful Monday or the past Surrender Saturday, but I actually did an email on uh, uh, trauma responses. And I actually talked about how I noticed that I was coming from a flight response that hadn't come my way in a really long time, but I was able to notice it and instantly shift it and change it. So I'll share share a little bit of what that story is because it'll answer this question with the flight response. Um, I had gotten into an argument with a loved one and I realized because that person was not understanding me or like really um, hearing me out, I noticed that I instantly got into like this little tantrum inside myself where like, I wanted to leave that person. I was like, okay, maybe it's time for me to distance myself from this person. Maybe it's time for me to stop talking to this person. Maybe it's time for me to just leave the situation altogether. Right? That was my flight response. Now, it is it is okay sometimes to distance yourself from someone who's like obviously disrespecting you or breaking your boundaries. But I knew that this wasn't that I knew that this was me being in my ego and coming from a flight response and just wanting to leave the situation rather than creating safety in my body and then speaking my truth and being heard. Um, And so I realized in that moment, like, Oh my gosh, this part of me that just wants to leave or stop talking to this person or just like, Exit the conversation altogether and just be angry and hold on to that anger. I instantly realized, like moments later, I was like, "This is my flight response," and it hadn't come in in a, quite a while. Um, and so it came up, and I was able to notice it instantly. And I felt like that was such a huge win because it kind of took me by surprise. And then I instantly just did the work. I like journaled journaled out my feelings. I did some EFT tapping, which always serves me so much. And then I had a conversation with my loved one again and they fully understood, like I did not come from a place of like, uh, attacking them or putting assumptions. I just spoke the facts and how it made me feel. And I felt understood and heard. And then that just like completely shifted everything. Cause I realized how in the past, I probably wouldn't even have noticed that I was in a flight response. And I would have like ignored that person for like a day and not talked to them and held on to all this resentment and anger or just brushed it off and acted like everything was fine when it really wasn't. Um, And so that was a little win that I shared on my email newsletter. And so flight responses can look like that, right, where you are instantly Any response is when you don't feel safe, right? So a flight response comes from not feeling safe in your environment and you feel like you need to leave. You feel like you need to get out of the space that you're in. Sometimes if you have um, what's called a leaving pattern, you may even feel like you're leaving your body. You may feel like sometimes you completely disassociate um, and are not even in your body or in your reality. You're just like leaving into a whole different reality or spiritual realm, if you want to call it. Um... So that's what a flight response can look like. Any subtle ways in which you are avoiding or wanting to escape. And then a fight response is any way in which you are trying to attack. And it doesn't have to always be attacking the other person. So both fight and flight responses are very, um, uh, like they're my trauma responses. And so Sometimes I will fight. And if nothing's working out when I'm fighting, then I will flight. Right. Then I'll like leave. And so when you're talking about fight trauma response, it doesn't always look like attacking someone else. It could also just be attacking yourself. And so when I held on to a lot of resentment and a lot of anger and when I was in my most depressed stage eight years ago. I was in my fight response, but I was fighting myself. Like I was in this place of fear, but creating so much anger and self-loathing within myself. And so any way in which you are, projecting, um, this, when you're coming from a fight response, you don't feel safe within yourself and you feel like you need to be the warrior, like the, the hero. And so you feel like you need to provide and take care of everything. And so you kind of don't realize sometimes how you may, um, be quite forceful or quite controlling, or just be, inserting yourself in situations where you don't need to insert yourself. And so that can look like uh, fight uh, trauma responses. Is that making sense so far? Or I don't know if you were looking for more subtleties in that.
0: No, I mean, I think that's that's great. And I'm just like thinking to my own experience. I'm like, yeah, check. Like, <laughs> But I also on the flight one, I, I have some friends who I joke. I'm like, you guys don't need to move. You need like a therapist because I have so many friends in their 20s who like don't know what they want to do and they don't feel like things are working out for them wherever they are. And so they move and they move again and they move again and they're like, this city didn't fix it. And I think that's like such a great example of like these young a young example of flight responses like it doesn't necessarily mean like I guess it's not always as clear as like you get in a fight with your boyfriend and you storm off to the other room it like can be just kind of repetitive patterns and things that you don't even notice like when you were explaining the fight response I was like oh yeah these things that I do that I consider like productive or helpful are like actually just me trying to control the situation and like being a, a fight response and so That was helpful. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Also, I think it ties into like escapism. And we were talking yesterday about like revenge, the concept of revenge scrolling and how a lot of people will stay up for hours, like scrolling on their phones at night because they feel like it's the only time they have to themselves. And that's like also like a flight. You're just trying to escape reality in a way. So you're like trying to zone on anything else. That's not the actual world or your actual feelings. But I wanted to talk about, um, for a minute about what you're saying about dancing and getting in your body. And I, the, you know, that joke where people are like, what a depressed person do this. It's like, what a depressed person dance around their room all night. Like, it's kind of like that's <laughs> that question came into <laughs> my head and something I do a lot. Um, some I used to get really anxious driving. Now I just have these awful visions of like a car crash or just whatever awful could awful thing could happen to you when you're driving and something that really helps me when I'm driving is singing or humming or even just talking because when you're a, you wouldn't if you were like in a very dangerous situation being like chased by a lion or something like you wouldn't you're, you wouldn't be singing you, you have to be in a safe ish space to be able to hum to yourself to be able to sing to yourself and I said to my therapist and my therapist was like I'm gonna start telling my clients to sing in the car because it's actually like Really good grounding technique, and it, it helps you like tell the vibrations, like signal to your body that you're okay if you're able to like make mm-hmm. these noises. And so, yes, dancing and yes, singing. And on that note, I do want to hear about tapping. So I've used tapping a little bit for flight anxiety, and it's helped me so much. But I would love if you could like tell kind of elaborate more on what tapping is, and then if there are any like. YouTube videos are just tapping resources that you have that people could find on their own.
1: Yes. Okay. So love what you said. Yes. It's totally with, with the car, with the driving and the anxiety that you feel. Yeah. It's like, it's a pattern interrupt. That's what it is, right? Like you're zoned in on your anxiety and then you do something different and then you see the world differently. And then it's like your subconscious mind is like, wait, are we, are we stressing about this or are we not? Because you're singing and it seems like you're having a good time. And so (laughs) that's how you start creating these, these shifts in your belief system. So that is really huge. Um, And then when it comes to your question oh on EFT tapping so EFT tapping is something that i would say for anyone who's listening to give it like a really good shot like try it out for like at least a week before not doing it um or choosing if you know it may not work for you and that's totally okay like i'm a huge advocate for the fact that Not every healing modality is meant to work for for you, and that's okay. Because I think now in the social media world, like you can come across like a hundred different healing modalities and things that you can be doing. And I notice in my clients that they become so overwhelmed and they're like, I don't know what I should be doing every single day. I feel like I'm not doing enough and I need to be doing all these different things. And so one thing that I really advocate for is like you could just do like One to three exercises every day and just stick to them. But what's important is learning and and seeing if they really work for you. I think sometimes there's like the pressure to do them just because we know that it's meant to do good, but it may not be working for you. And it's important to understand your soul's unique medicine, right? Like what is your medicine is going to be different than mine and other people's medicine. And so working with that is important. So for anyone trying out EFT, try it out for a good week, I would say. And then if it doesn't serve you, then move on to another healing modality. So for me, I feel like I tried it on and off for quite for many years, but I never really felt um, as like, I didn't really feel like it was serving me as much. So I worked on other healing modalities. And then suddenly this year, um, I decided to give it another try and actually be consistent with it. And it's been just like completely changing my my life. And it's been so supportive. Um, so what tapping is, is you're tapping in specific uh, points in your body, which are called meridian points. And these points in your body is where like energy is, is flowing like the most. So when you're tapping on these points, while you are are affirming the belief systems that you want to have, you are really shifting the energy all over your body and at a subconscious level as well. EFT tapping has, you know, helped many people with uh, PTSD. It's mainly known to support people in the area of anxiety. Um, But I, I, like I shared, I think, I don't know if it was before the, before we started recording or not, um, but I don't suffer from that much anxiety um, because I'm such a grounded Capricorn sun, Virgo moon. But um, EFT is like so huge for me because it just makes me feel so empowered and allows me to see the world so differently. Um, So what you're doing is you're tapping on these points while Saying these affirmations which are feeding your whole body, your whole body starts acting differently, your your subconscious mind starts taking in this information and then there begins to be shifts in your body. That is also how you can work on trauma, right? because it's a somatic practice, so you're working with the body um yeah, that's that's how I would describe uh, EFT tapping. and oh, Right now, I actually, if for those of you who go on my Instagram, which I'm sure I'll share towards the end of the episode. Um, in the link in my bio, I have a free three days of EFT tapping. So you can try that out. Um, you can just sign up, put your email, and you'll receive a little course where you'll have access to three days of tapping. And you'll get to see me doing it as well if you're new to it and don't know where to tap. Um, and then also YouTube. I love doing Gala Darlings. I don't know if you guys know Gala Darling. But I love doing Gala Darlings EFT uh, tapping sessions. They're just quick like five, seven minute sessions uh, and they're so empowering. So I really enjoy those.
2: I love finding like easy, quick, free things to do at home too, because I know we talk about like coaches or therapists, but it can be so hard to find someone that you takes your insurance or that you can afford or that you enjoy working with and click with. And so it's, nice to be able to offer like things that anyone can do anytime tapping dancing singing like whatever these things are that you can just do at home with yourself I wanted to talk about I know I saw you posted that your own mental health struggles or journey kind of started at a really young age and um, Jordan and I have a similar experience now I'd love if you could share more of that experience because I don't think a lot of people talk about their mental health issues started in like childhood most people recognize them at like 18 19 20 but um these things I don't know it's also common for children to be experiencing these things and I'd love if you could share some of your experience with that
1: yeah totally um I also had like if we want to go full woo-woo I also had a lot of which is what made me a spiritual life coach I had a lot of uh, spiritual experiences since I was very young. Which is what inspired the other program that I have, which is Activate and Liberate, where I help women activate their psychic abilities. Um, But I, since, since of like, well, since I was born, I guess, like my, I grew up with parents who are just very emotionally immature. And I love them. They don't know that they're emotionally immature. They would probably take that as a huge insult, but most of us are emotionally immature. And I think it's important to be aware of that. Um, So I had a mom or have a mom who is – who her way of responding is just full-on, like, screaming, full-on fight, trauma response, sharing everything, like, being super loud. And then my dad was someone who in arguments would just really – um not say anything and then just like hold on to so much resentment and so much anger that the whole room could feel it. And so I kind of grew up feeding off of them, like off of their energy. So my parents fought a lot uh, as I was growing up. They never really got along till this day. I don't know how they've stayed together. (laughs) Like I think all me and my sisters have always been like, why don't you guys just get divorced? But I feel like now (laughs) they feel like they're too old to even do that. But um, I grew up in like just – a lot of fighting and arguments and my mom being emotionally immature in the way she would just like shout and scream and put everything out there and then my dad like holding everything in and so it's interesting because when I started feeling depression which was like senior year of high school and then like my freshman year of college um, I realized how, how I was I was doing that like either I would you know if I was with like I think I had a partner at the time. I would like let everything out and like project everything on him or I would internalize everything and hold on to so much resentment and pain. And it was just what I knew. Like at the time, I didn't know that it was anything wrong because it was what I grew up in. And so I thought that's how you – Dealt with things. I didn't even know how to process emotions or how to feel emotions. And so when I was depressed and starting to have these suicidal thoughts, I didn't make the connection of like, oh, this is because I don't know how to fully express my emotions and I am, you know, repeating the patterns of my parents. I didn't have that awareness until then working with a spiritual life coach. Um, But one thing that I talk about often um, and I share often is that I have been in my spiritual, I guess you can say, practice for probably like quite a bit. I want to say since I was 13. So I think officially since I hit my teens, I grew up with two aunts who are very spiritual. And so – it's so interesting because back then the things that I did and like were my normal are now becoming so hyped up. So like in my teens, I was like reading the four agreements or the power of now or You know, Deepak Chopra books, which are like so well known now, but I was learning that when I was so young and I was doing Reiki and I was learning about astrology and I was learning about energy work when I was so young. And I really kind of grew up in that atmosphere only when I would hang out with my aunts because my aunts are very spiritual and so I'd always want to hang out with them and just learn more. And then when I'd come home, it was like probably another argument with my mom and dad and the whole thing. Um, But I think that spiritual part of me really um, allowed me to kind of get out of my experience at home and kind of tap into something more within myself. And so I had a lot of like uh, very spiritual experiences growing up, um, which because of societal conditioning and norms, I kind of repressed and ignored every now and then. And, you know, I never fully would share with my friends in middle school or, high school that I like had all these knowings and the spiritual beliefs because back then it was even more woo woo and so it was really so empowering for me as a life coach to now be able to express who I fully am as a spiritual being and express all that I know and all that I am and actually have a community of people who believe in the same things right like it's it's been such a shift in my life and it's the most rewarding thing because I'm able to fully express myself and who I am. But I think everyone kind of has their own battles that they go through when, you know, they're growing up. And we always, I don't know who's, who said this saying, but it's like, you always have two options. You're either growing or dying. Right. And so you can stay stuck in that pat in those patterns and, Uh, emotional immaturity or in those trauma responses, or you can actively uh, learn how to shift those things. And kind of how you were saying, Autumn, like, you feel like you have all the knowledge, you know what's going on in your life, like, you both do, right? And now you're just in this place of like, okay, now how do I actually, like, get this trauma out of my body and free myself from this? Because you're right, like, letting go and, you know, healing from trauma isn't something that necessarily just like happen so quickly. It can, for some people I've seen it, but for some people, it's just a different journey. Um, And so, yeah, I I feel like now I've kind of gone into a whole different route and gone away from your question. So did that answer the question or is there anything else that I can touch on that?
2: Oh, no, that's perfect. I'm wondering though, if we could touch on what does, we keep hearing this word spirituality and spiritual. So what does spirituality mean to you and what is like your specific daily weekly like spiritual practice look like i feel like that's such a broad term so i'd love if we could dive into what that means for you
0: i also want to add one thing onto that um Mm. i feel like a lot of people have grown up with religion as kind of their first maybe experience with the the term spirituality um and people obviously have strong mixed opinions about religion. So while you're explaining spirituality, I would love for you to kind of identify the difference between getting spirituality in this context versus like an organized religion.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I remember a client of mine, I think like two years back um, asking me this question where she was like, so what can I do to like be more spiritual or like, what do I need to know? And um That was just like such a like a a eye opening question for me, because to me, spirituality is is not like religion in the sense like there's like a structure to it, right? Like there's no Bible that you have to live your life by. To me, spirituality is what feels good to you, like what your soul, like what your soul is calling you to do what your purpose is like. I don't think that my form of spirituality is is or should be the same as another person's form of spirituality i think spirituality is just connecting to all that you are and what you truly are at least to my belief is your soul the soul that gets to live in this human suit that you have and so when i mentioned previously like you're not your brain you're not your body it's just a part of you but who you truly are is this like freaking amazing part of divinity part of god that gets to experience life right you are the soul and so when you're talking about spirituality it's just being able to connect to your soul and connect back to your purpose and what you're here to do in this lifetime um and so you can be a spiritual person and not do like not use Oracle cards or crystals or tarot cards. Like I think those are the things that people know spiritual people for like, oh, they have crystals and they do readings and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that it doesn't have to be that way. It's it's just simply you connecting to your soul. And I think in religion, um, you have that too, right? You You have spirituality in religion, which like I guess in religion is – more so than connecting to your soul. It's like connecting to their form of God, what they believe their God is. Um, for me, my spiritual beliefs around God is like, I don't see God as like a man in the sky. I see God as love. I see God as greatness. I see God as moving through everything. Every one of us, every single part of life is God. Um, and so sometimes i don't say god i'll just say the universe or i'll say love um it's it's just this amazing uh intelligence right or that 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 is here that we're part of that is creating this life here so Um, With spirituality, if I'm not connecting to my soul, then I'm also connecting to the universe and all of its power and knowing that like the universe moves through me, right, as it does for everyone. And when I can become an open and clear channel. Uh, for the universe to move through me then I create so much magic and I'm able to connect and serve people in such deep ways Um, so that's how I would say and that's what I told my client and she was like oh my gosh because she felt like I needed to give her like a breakdown of like this is what you have to do to be spiritual and I'm like no like you know that's that's what's so great about it like do what you genuinely know is going to serve you. And you'll only know that when you really connect to your soul um, and you're not feeding from the ego, but you're really connecting to your soul, to your highest self, um, feeling connected with nature, with the universe, um, you'll know what to do. My spiritual practices um, I guess are more of like the norm and mainstream but I being a Capricorn sun Virgo moon I like thrive on structure and planning and you know I can do the same rituals every single day and be completely fine with it so my morning rituals usually look like a 45 minute meditation in the morning then I will journal for like 20 minutes then I will do like a 5 minute uh, gratitude journaling then I will walk my dog Barkley who's sleeping right next to me right now then um, <laughs> then then i'll go to the gym which i wouldn't consider that much of a spiritual practice but it is a way for me to just like release any stressors of the day and then my night rituals usually look like just reading a book for at least 10 pages i like to read um and then writing down what my next day is going to look like so that i'm not you know feeling anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow but i feel clear and grounded in how the next day is going to go um and yeah, that's that's kind of what it looks like to me throughout my days. I do EFT tapping whenever I feel like I need some some extra oomphs, when I need some extra like empowerment or confidence boost, I'll do EFT probably once or twice a day, every single day. Um, and then after that, I'll switch anything up depending on how I feel. But those are the things that I just like as rituals always do.
2: I think that's a really like comforting answer because I think so many people think that spirituality needs to be this whole thing but just like I just finished a yoga teacher training and obviously talked a lot about spirituality in that and one of the concepts we talked about was like yes you can go to church and you can pray at church and if that's what feels good to you but also like you can find God folding laundry like you can find God or divinity or universal consciousness like just by being present and like mindful of where you are in that moment. One of the girls in my program, she was, she kind of challenged the teacher and she was just kind of said something about how she's not spiritual at all and doesn't relate to that. But I think it's because so many of us just have it tied in with this like woo-woo or like organized religion. Like that's all the those are the only options. And the teacher was like, do you what do you like to do for fun? She's like, well, I love being in nature. I love being in the ocean. I love watching the sunset and going camping and just like all of these things, like connecting with nature was like her favorite thing. And the teacher was like, is that not spirit? Like, can that not be spiritual? Can that not be divine? Like literally being in nature and watching life pass you by or watching a sunset, like that is spirituality. If, if that's what you want to make it, you know, like it doesn't have to be going to church or praying or meditating it could literally just be watching the sunset or sunrise or something simple like that and so I think for anyone listening I hope it's a comforting answer that you don't have to have all these crazy things going on you could just be present for five minutes
1: yeah um I think that's so beautiful and so true like nature to me is god right so it's like even if you're in nature it's like whatever you are doing that that fulfills you that makes you feel so good and so amazing of course being discerning of that because there are some people that could be doing something that feels so good um or who are addicted to something that may feel really good for them but isn't actually serving their highest self right so uh, obviously having practicing discernment and having this higher awareness but if you're doing something that's fulfilling your soul, that is you in your spirituality, despite what it is that you want to give it a name to, you know, it could be anything, but um, if it fills you up, that's what it's all about. I love, I love that um, example. So thank you for sharing that.
0: Um, You've touched a little bit on like ego versus authentic self. And I think that that is, And that's really, I feel like if you're like on the search to find your authentic self, like that is spirituality and doesn't need to be that much more than that. But can you explain the difference between ego and authentic self and how you help women like maybe first steps to identifying the differences between like ego desires and authentic desires?
1: Yeah. So I, so your highest self comes from your intuition. Like when your intuition is leading, that's you being your highest self. When your ego is leading, um, when your fear is leading, that's you coming from your lower self. So whenever you are too in your ego, you're coming from this place of, you know, seeking comfort zone, of really not wanting to change, of blaming other people rather than taking r- radical responsibility. Um, You're in the space of, kind of believing that things are happening to you rather than for you. Um, it's just this space of like energetic lack and scarcity where you don't feel like you are enough, but then you're projecting and blaming other people instead. You're not taking accountability for yourself when you're coming from your highest self, which is your intuition. Um, you are leading from this energy that is expansive that you um, is seeking discomfort because it knows that that's where growth comf- comes from. Um, it's an abundant energy. If you're kind of like listening to your thoughts, when your energy, when your thoughts or energy feels like frantic and rushed um, and just like everywhere, that's most likely your ego and your lowest self. Your highest self and your intuition is always going to feel grounded and it's going to feel calm and relaxed. That's the voice of your intuition. Um, and so I, I would say those are the differences, right? Like ego can come from this place of scarcity. Um, it can come from this place of lack. Um, I say it can because ego isn't necessarily a bad thing i think we've all kind of given it a bad rep but we kind of need ego to exist it's it's just part of how our human experience is and ego is simply just like attaching to an identity right and we all have so many different identities and different roles and titles that we have in our life and so it's not necessarily a bad thing but when whenever we attach to something that isn't truly serving us then it can be it can be just a downward spiral from there, right? It can bring up a lot of scarcity and fear and all all the not so great things. Um, So that's how I would differentiate the two.
2: You mentioned like listening to your intuition and your intuition is going to sound calm and collected and nurturing, I guess, but that's something I've always struggled with being an anxious person. I try to convince myself that an anxious thought is my intuition telling me. And and now I've tried to learn like, okay, if it has a very strong negative emotion attached to it, it's probably not my intuition. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have probably felt like they've never once been able to hear their intuition. And do you have any tips for like, how can you even tune into yourself? I think we have so many things distracting us in our day-to-day like there's so many escape tools like phones and tv and just like so, so many of us are never even quiet enough for one second to listen to what your actual wants are and so if you have any tips on how to talk to your intuition how to find your intuition I don't know
1: Yes I used to be that person that would get so frustrated when people would be like just listen to your intuition because I'd be like oh what the heck is my intuition like I have like five different voices inside my head like I can just ask a question right now and get both a yes and a no so which one is it and it would be so frustrating for me so I totally understand this question um The way that I see it is like you being at like this concert or like this club, right? And like you're listening to the super loud music and then your friend next to you starts like talking to you like at a normal – not even screaming. She's just talking normal voice and you obviously can't hear anything she's saying because it's so loud all around you. And so that's like the the little – the way that I see connecting with your intuition like – Sometimes it can be hard to listen to your intuition when your anxiety is everywhere. Like it is so much louder than your intuition. So you're not going to hear that calm voice when there is chaos and rushed energy and like really heightened energy all around you. And so what I would do then, right, if you're feeling really anxious is first work on calming down and Being grounded again, because it's going to be hard for you to listen to your intuition when you're, let's say, about to have a panic attack versus if you were to fully be grounded first and then connect with your intuition. Um, I think it's connecting with your intuition is one of those things where like you'll just know when you'll know it's your intuition when you hear it. Um, because it's kind of what I expressed earlier, like it's going to come from your highest self. It's going to come from an abundant space. Now, something that I like to share too, is that, well, two things that I can dive into with intuition is that. Intuition is different than seeking familiarity. So if you've gone through a lot of trauma, sometimes people think like, oh, yeah, my intuition is like telling me to, you know, go out with this guy who is probably very toxic, but my intuition is telling me to do this. And it's like, it feels familiar. And so sometimes we... Uh, confuse familiarity with intuition. Just because something feels familiar, it doesn't mean that it and therefore it feels good. It doesn't mean that it's your intuition speaking. So I've kind of talked about like a huge reframe around intuition because most people think that listening to your intuition is going to feel good and it's going to feel just amazing and so empowering. But a lot of the times it's not going to because if you think about it, your intuition is your highest self, meaning your intuition is always going to lead you to a place of discomfort in order to grow. And discomfort doesn't feel good, right? And so when your intuition speaks, it's probably going to lead you to something that is going to bring up resistance that doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so ready to do that. It's going to bring up a lot of resistance. And so that may help people because I know I've definitely gotten those moments in my brain where I'm like, oh, I should really do that. But then I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. That's too hard. So instead, I'm just going to do this instead because it's easier. And like, I know I'm consciously doing the easier thing, but I know in my heart I should have done that harder thing that brings up more resistance. And that's usually my intuition because it's bringing up discomfort and it's leading me towards growth, right? So- Intuition is not always going to feel amazing. And I think that's really important to honor and it's different than seeking familiarity. I think that's important to, uh, understand as well. And, um, don't rush it. Like if right now it's hard for you to listen to your intuition, it's okay. Like I went through so many years feeling so frustrated and I felt like people were just lying to me about this whole intuition thing. Cause I could never un- hear what this was. Um, So just don't rush the experience like you'll listen to your intuition when it's meant to be, um, but first work on quieting down all the noise. And then if you want some sort of practice, um, just ask yourself questions, maybe start with like yes or no questions, Um, like anything, like maybe you're making a decision and you're like, which direction should I go with in this decision? And like really moving in the energy that feels most expansive versus the energy that's coming from a place of fear. Um, so yeah, it's going to feel good in the sense that it's expansive, but it's not going to feel good in the sense that it's probably going to require work and it's going to bring up resistance. Right. Um, the key to things that I that I learned from a past mentor of mine, it's like, as long as there's like 80% excitement and 20% fear, then you go for it, right? Because it's okay and normal to have fear and for there to be discomfort when making a decision. But you have to know that a bigger part of you making that decision is you moving into a space of expansion and excitement.
0: I think the best understanding I've personally had for intuition or the best like visual I've had is like, it was from um oh my god what what's the spiritual book on that we always talk about on here
2: um
0: oh oh my god it has like a horse on the cover
2: <laughs> I you can picture it it's about uh, like oh, energy packages.
0: Um,
2: why it's like the biggest one that everyone i know likes.
1: i i can't Hi, it's Michael not the power Sutter. of now though yeah yes yes like i it. even know what you guys are talking about but i can't
0: remember we all well, just
1: why is it, bo- it
2: now it's like bothering me, untethered soul
0: have- yes. <laughs> yes yes okay <laughs> this is from the untethered soul but he talks <laughs> about how he's like your intuition is not the person having the conversation it's the person listening to the conversation and that's helped me a lot because i am extremely indecisive and so when i am hearing an audible conversation in my brain of like, well, maybe I should do this path because this path is comfortable and like blah, blah, blah. But it's like, (laughs) maybe I should do this path because this path is challenging. Blah blah. blah. it's like, that is neither of those are the answer. (laughs) And neither of those are my intuition. Like my intuition is the thing that's listening. And so when I feel like I'm trying to tap into my intuition, I usually cannot do it on the spot with a decision. I have to like wait until I'm in a time where those that conversation is quieted down so I can then hear like what the actual thought is that was behind all of that noise. So I liked your concert example too. I think that's a really good um visual for understanding that. But unfortunately we have to wrap up this conversation this has been so fun chatting with you um i i'm so happy alice connected us this has been really really wonderful i think our audience is gonna love it but before we wrap up um let everyone know where they can find you how can people get a hold of you how can people learn more where can people yeah where can people find you
1: Yes. Oh my God. First of all, I feel like time just flew by. I didn't even realize like (laughs) I had to like double check
0: when we started because I was like, there's no way we're like at the end
1: of this conversation. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, but anyway, yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is where I've, you know, supported many of my clients and where I, it's basically my website. I feel like that's where I share everything, um, which is at my first name, last name underscore. So Alejandra Duenas underscore. Um, go ahead. If, you, if you're wanting to try out EFT tapping, check out the link in my bio. You can get free access to some tapping over there. Um, you can sign up to my email newsletters, which I quickly shared as well. My Surrender Saturdays and my Info Mondays. I give somatic practices, which I know we've talked about on this call as well. And just like journal prompts, things to reflect on, which are super empowering. And uh, if you're looking to work with a life coach, please feel free to reach out. Um, I have in my the link in my bio ways that you can apply to the programs that I have. But you can also just DM me. I don't bite. You can just share what's been coming up for you. um, And I can see if I can support you. And I'm always up for like a conversation in the DM. So even if you maybe don't want to work with me, but something's coming up for you in your life and you're wanting some support around it, please just go ahead and DM me and I'm here for you.
2: Thank you! Thank you
1: so much. Yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you, guys, so much. much. Yes, this was so good. Thank you, guys. Woohoo!